Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And when you do... Ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Friday. Awesome show planned for you today. Got a heck of a fire starter uh, that I'm going to start today on college football. Uh, TJ Moe, Steve Kim's going to join me after I start this fire, but uh, I want to get right into today's uh, fire starter. Uh, I think it's uh, fantastic, or I'm going to try my best to make it fantastic. I want to talk about a a system collapse, the collapse of college athletics. That's what we're in the middle of, a complete and entire collapse of college athletics. And and this needs to be addressed and talked about by ESPN, by Fox Sports, but no one's going to cover this, the mainstream media, the New York Times, no one's going to cover this. And that's why you need this show. That's why I'm here. My jumping off point for this, there was a story on uh, circulating in, in, on ESPN and across the sports world today that people will not properly read into and digest. And it's a story about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss football being sued by a current player. DeSanto Rollins. He's a defensive tackle. Uh, I'm going to read you an excerpt uh, from the story just to start us off because I want to take the time to frame this up so you guys can completely understand it. Ole Miss defensive tackle DeSanto Rollins, who said he was recently kicked off the team for missing practices and meetings during a mental health crisis, is suing the university and coach Lane Kiffin for failure to provide equal protection, racial and sexual discrimination, and multiple other allegations, according to the lawsuit filed Thursday. So this is yesterday. DeSanto Rollins, a former three-star defensive line recruit out of Mississippi to Ole Miss, he's suing Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss for not a small amount of money. Let me go back to the story. Rollins, a backup lineman whose career has been marred by injuries, is seeking $10 million in compensatory damages and $30 million in punitive damages. The lawsuit alleges that Kiffin intentionally took adverse action against Rollins on account of race for requesting and taking a mental health break 
but not taking adverse action against white student athletes for the same request. It alleges sexual discrimination on the basis that Ole Miss has not taken adverse action against female student athletes for requesting and taking a mental health break. This is directly from uh, a story written uh, by Heather Denich, I believe is her name. She, a senior writer for ESPN. This is a fascinating story with incredible ramifications and says everything about where we're at in college athletics. This is a story about that is about the transfer portal. It's about name, image, and likeness. It's about this whole mental health thing. It's about Title IX, and it's also about fatherlessness. DeSanto Rollins, as best as I can tell, is a product of a single mother. Obviously, some man is his father, but best I, I couldn't figure it out. His mother's name, I believe, is Heather Hollins, or no, Connie Hollins. Hit Hollins, H-O-L-L-I-N-S. His name is DeSanto Rollins, but all the reporting and everything that I could look up mostly references his mother. I couldn't find a story referencing his father. Again, the two different last names is an indication of, of something. And he, anyway, this issue, what, what we're seeing here, name, image, and likeness, and everybody hitting a college campus now as a college athlete thinking, how much money is in this for me? It's about the transfer portal and how kids and coaches both see the transfer portal as a solution. If you have a disgruntled player, you try to force him into the transfer portal, get him up out of there. If a, if a player doesn't think he's getting enough playing time, he hits the transfer portal. This is about Title IX, where I think DeSanto Rollins is on really, really firm ground, is when he says, hey, I'm taking a mental health break and Lane Kiffin and the coaching staff are putting pressure on me, whereas when a female athlete says she's taking a mental health break, people whip out the kid gloves because they're more afraid of the female athletes. They're more afraid of treating a, a female athlete uh, more abrasively or more directly or more aggressively than a male athlete. This kid's on solid ground. But th the other part of this as, as that has to be discussed is this system of college athletics and coaches as father figures has been completely torn apart and but people are still bringing those expectations into it. And so we're wondering why. And I'm about to read some excerpts here from a secretly tape recorded conversation between DeSanto Rollins and Lane Kiffin. And, and I just think Lane Kiffin and all of these coaches are in a very tough spot. They're dealing with broken kids from fatherless homes. And I'm mostly talking about the black kids because let's just be honest, the statistics, the data set, 75% of black kids are not being raised in two parent households. A lot of the college football players that are black, go check the program. You, you'll go check the, the bios of these kids. There's always a mention of the mama, 
Half the time there's mention of the father in the bio as it relates to the black kids. It, again, the, the, finding black kids from two parent homes, very difficult in the college football world and in the football world in general. And so you're dealing with kids that are coming on campuses with issues from their dysfunctional upbringing. And now you have a system that's totally controlled by money, totally run by the transfer portal. Everybody's solution is either to leave or force someone to leave. And so I wanna read you some excerpts from this secretly recorded, this kid, and I guess it's legal in Mississippi. He went into a meeting with Lane Kiffin and tape recorded the conversation. That is legal in Mississippi, according to this ESPN story uh, I just read. And, and Lane Kiffin says some things that are clearly intended to push this kid into the transfer portal. He has gone, the kid went two or three weeks with the coaching staff and people reaching out to him. Hey, uh, Lane Kiffin wants to meet with you. Lane Kiffin wants to meet with you. The kid doesn't respond and never meets with Lane Kiffin. He disappears for two or three weeks. He's saying he has a mental health crisis. He needs to take a break uh, from Lane Kiffin and the football staff. Lane Kiffin is frustrated. Like, I can't get a kid to communicate with me. Someone who's on scholarship for my football team. They take some great, the kids there as a defensive tackle. His position coach, I believe, tells him, hey, we're gonna move you to scout team offensive line. This is the kind of tactic and step coaches take when they wanna push a kid into the transfer portal. They want a kid to quit. It's the kind of step they take. But the transfer portal makes it so this is what coaches have to do. They have to get kids up out of there because other schools are losing kids that want to hit the transfer portal and you can recruit them mid-season. It's just a nightmare and a mess. And so a system that used to try to serve as a father figure, a mentor, a, a, a someone that will help a broken kid fix itself up, fix himself up, it no longer operates that way. It's all transactional. It's all about name, image, and likeness, how much money can I make, and where can I go and move up the two-deep two chart on any college football roster across the country. But let me read some of these uh, excerpts from the exchange between Lane Kiffin and this kid in a private meeting. Lane Kiffin does not come off good in this exchange. Uh, so, okay. You have an effing head coach. This is a job. Guess what? If I have mental issues and I'm not diminishing them, I can't not see my effing boss. When you were told again and again the head coach needs to see you, wasn't to make you practice, wasn't to, uh, wasn't to play a position you don't effing want to, okay? That's Lane Kiffin talking to DeSantos uh, Rollins in this private meeting going through his frustration about, hey man, you're not responding to me. We're trying to get in contact with you and you're just ignoring me. You can't do that. And then he describes football as a job. I don't, this is a real conversation Lane Kiffin's trying to have with a kid. 
This is where college football is. It's a job. This isn't about student athletes anymore. This is a job where people, SEC, Power Five kids are making thousands of dollars. Some of them are even making millions of dollars for this job. Lane Kiffin saying, you got a job, you're not performing on the job, you're ignoring your boss, I've got a problem. Let me go back to a direct quote. It was to talk to you and explain to you in the real world, okay? So I don't give a F what your mom say, okay, or what you think in the real effing world. You show up to work and then you say, hey, I have mental issues, I can't do anything for two weeks, but if you change my position, I won't have mental issues. Let's take a stop there. I wanna translate what Lane Kiffin is saying. It's like he's indicating in previous conversations, perhaps to the position coach, perhaps to Lane Kiffin directly, that the kid is trying to blackmail them. He's withholding his services, claiming the blue flu, mental health issues, because you all are trying to move me away from defensive tackle and put me on the offensive line. Lane Kiffin's calling him out, saying, hey, you're doing a negotiating ploy. He's doing it in direct, brutal language, the way, hey, kid, this kid is 21, 22 years old. He's talking to, in his mind, a grown man on a job, and he's talking to him very directly. Let me go back to more Lane Kiffin. I guarantee, if we effing called you in and said you're playing defense, would you have mental issues? DeSanto Rollins responds, I definitely would. During the audio exchange, Rollins is heard saying, I mean you're acting like my issues aren't real. Lane Kiffin responds, I didn't say they're not real. You show up when your head coach, when your boss wants to meet with you. It wouldn't have been like this. If you would have come here when you kept getting messages, the head coach wants to talk to you, you say, I'm not ready to talk to him. Rollins says, I wasn't. Lane Kiffin responds, what effing world do you live in? I don't see why you, and then Rollins, I don't see why you have to be disrespectful. Kiffin responds, get out of here. Go. You're off the team. You're done. See ya. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your effing rights about mental health. We can kick you off the team for not showing up. When the head coach asks to meet with you and you don't show up for weeks, we can remove you from the team. It's called being a P-U-S-S-Y. It's called hiding behind S-H-I-T and not showing up to work. Though that exchange, I can see a scenario where that costs Lane Kiffin his job. Well, Lane, Lane Kiffin has been secretly tape recorded saying things that in this politically correct society, a coach can't be caught on tape saying. It, it's, there's a couple of ways to interpret it. For me, this is how men talk to each other. This is how coaches talk to players. And it's appropriate. When a grown man, 40, 50 years old head coach, is dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids, he's got to be rough and direct because these kids are rough and direct. You gotta remember, DeSanto Rollins, 
he knows he's being tape recorded. So his conversation is, is framed in a way and presented in a way that makes him look professional and makes him look like a victim. He set Lane Kiffin up here. If there is no recording, we don't know how DeSanto Rollins talks to Lane Kiffin, his position coach, or whomever. The mainstream media will not unpack it to you in that way. It's going to be Lane Kiffin's a bad guy, and look what he said on tape, and we'll have men and women in corporate media trying to interpret this. And boy, oh boy, can't believe Lane Kiffin said that. That's so rough. He's insensitive. He is being disrespectful. Coaches shouldn't be able to do that. And, and again, this is what JB, Jason Brown, coach, coach JB, and I talked about how everybody wants equality. Everybody wants a 50-year-old coach to be on equal standing with a 21-year-old player. In what world? In what properly functioning world should a 20-year-old be on equal standing with a 50-year-old? That's not how properly run societies work. Now, when you have a bunch of people on television, in the media, who care nothing about a properly functioning world, they want to blow up the nuclear family. They want to blow up the natural order. They want chaos everywhere. They want everybody. They, they want a six-year-old kid to say, you know what? I know I got a bat and balls, but I'm a girl. Give me puberty blockers. Give me surgery. A six-year-old's thoughts are just as profound and just as important as a 40-year-old parent in this make-believe, foolish, chaotic world that the left has come up with and that corporate media has signed up on. This is unsustainable, completely unsustainable. And it's, it's bigger than just college athletics. But the, the, the society at large has put college athletics in every institution, every foundational institution we have in America is under attack. The military, to academia, to college sports, to media, to everything, it's all under attack because we want chaos, or the people on the left want chaos to reign supreme, and everybody is equal. Everybody, six-year-old is equal to a 50-year-old. And we have to bow to the feelings of a six-year-old. We have to bow to the feelings of a 20 or a 21-year-old. Am I somewhat sympathetic to DeSanto Rollins? Absolutely. I've been a problem college football player. And the coaches took actions trying to run me off the team. I don't blame them. I was a problem. I was a headache my first two years at Ball State. All the abuse that was heaped on me was necessary and warranted. It was in my best interest. I didn't like any of it. I was one of these foolish kids that thought I was smarter than the coaches. Thank God I lived in a different time. Thank God I lived in a time when I called my mother first 
with the BS and with my side of the story, my mother, again, this is in the 1980s, said, hey, good luck, buddy. I guess you're going to move in with your dad. Because if you quit that football team, you're on your own. When I called my dad, my dad was like, good luck, buddy. I guess you're going to go move in with your mom because you're not coming here if you quit that football team and that scholarship. Click. That's how my parents handled it when I was the problem at Ball State University for Paul Shadell and Dave Magazoo and all those coaches. And so I was forced to grow up. I was forced to, to deal with myself and my own shortcomings. That's not the time we live in anymore. That's not the time. And this kid, he's got mental health. He called his mother and she's quoted uh, in this story or in this lawsuit. Oh, they didn't handle my son's mental health issues. And he's talking about his grandmother died and he just needed a mental health break. And, and, and again, where I say he's on solid ground is when they would have handled a female athlete differently because they would have been more afraid of a female athlete. And they are more afraid. But all of this, hey, I got a mental health crisis and blah, blah, and you have to pamper and coddle me or I'm going to sue you. This is the collapse of college athletics. This is what the transfer portal and uh, name, image and likeness and everything about money. This is what it has wrought. And no one or very few people in the mainstream media are going to address this. But you can see, it, it, again, this is why I never am going to abandon the sports conversation. Because you can see everything that's going on in the rest of society by just examining what's going on in the sports world. It's all analogous. It all has synergy. We have a society that has no respect for the natural order, no respect for chain of command, no respect for adult, male, mature, aggressive leadership. We have a society that doesn't believe in families, believes that all of these broken kids that we're sending out into the universe and into the world, denying them the two things that God gave them Daddy and mama, we're denying them. We're, kids need that. Mama and daddy together committed raising those kids. We're denying kids that, and we don't think there's any consequences for it. There are major consequences for it. We think, oh, just throw money. Oh, we, get, we cut these kids in on name, image, and likeness. The money's gonna fix it. It doesn't fix anything. It actually worsens the problem. That's why this kid is suing them for $40 million. He thinks there's a payday in this for him. He thinks he's owed a payday. And what's sad, he's probably going to get it. And there will be more of this. And so you all this weekend, when you watch Colorado, Colorado State, 
and you watch everybody celebrate Coach Prime. And look at this incredible uh, turnaround he's done of the Colorado football program. He's brought in 86 new players, and that's the new system, and he's great. No, it's not. It's not remotely great. It's a reflection of the collapse of a system that built college athletics into this great thing, and now we're in the process of tearing it down. Some of you won't hear me properly. You're, why are you picking on Dion? Why are you, you picking on? I'm not picking on Dion, but he is a symptom of what is going on with the overall collapse of college athletics. I've been writing and talking about this for a solid 20 years, long before Dion was the, the uh, head coach at Colorado, long before he was the coach at Jackson State. These seeds have been planted from Title IX to, hey, we need a playoff. Hey, we just got to uh, pay the athletes in some sort of way. All of these things I've been writing and talking about the NCAA and that they're holding on to the old amateur model and not coming up with a real legitimate solution to rewarding the athletes financially. I wrote pieces in the uh, early 2000s outline how they could address paying players in a healthy way that would promote proper behavior and a better system. All of that was ignored. And now it's just name, image, and likeness. Now it's transfer portal. Now it's, oh, we gotta make sure the women get all the same thing as the men. We're just increasing the problems more and more. We're not fixing anything. We're enhancing the problems. And so when you see that over the shoulder, the thing over there that says system collapse, or here, over this shoulder, system collapse. I'm not just talking about college athletics. I'm talking about a societal collapse that is reflected in the collapse of college athletics. All of our systems are under attack. All of them. I'm going to uh, bring TJ Moe uh, into this conversation and then Steve Kim and Steve Kim and I'll talk about some some other things. Uh, before I do that, I want to tell you guys about Samaritan Ministries. Tired of someone else telling you where to go when you have a medical need? Are you ready to take control of your health care? Samaritan Ministries could be the solution you're looking for. They connect hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who come together through prayer, encouragement, and financial support when a medical need arises. It's not insurance, and you're not limited by restrictive networks. Say you have a medical need. You don't have to check and see what hospital is in your network or be concerned about the doctor being in network, too. No, you go to the hospital, you choose, and don't give a second thought as to what's in network and what's not, because with Samaritan Ministries, you're in control of your health care. Afterwards, fellow members pray for you and send money directly to you to help you pay your medical bills. And when they have a medical need, you'll do the same for them. That's what biblical health care sharing looks like. Check it out today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash fearless. All right, you can email me and us at fearlessblazeshow at gmail. I love getting your feedback. Tell me 
Give me your thoughts this week on Warren Sapp and Brett Favre, today's fire starter, some of the fire starters from earlier this week. Love getting your feedback. We react to your feedback. We incorporate your ideas into the show. Uh, love to hear from you guys at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. TJ Mo, show me kid, former Mizzou football player. Next. It's my obligation on hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Sage Steele, previously on Fearless. If I'm asked, um, I am absolutely proud of my, and I know you don't like that word, I'm so proud of my black side and my white side. I'm proud of how I am made. The courage that my parents had in 1970 and 71, coming off the civil rights era, when this, that interracial thing, that, that was a problem within their own families. So what I've gone through is nothing. It's the least I can do is to stand up for both of my parents and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm so blessed to have been born into this family based on what they went through, the courage it took and the strength to stay together. October's 52 years. Are you kidding me? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's hear from TJ Moe, a former SEC football player. Uh, TJ, uh, I, I sent you this story this morning on Lane Kiffin and DeSanto Rollins and uh, really wanted your thoughts as a former SEC football player. I, and, and, you know, this whole mental health crisis deal, do, do you have sympathy for DeSanto? Do you have sympathy for Lane Kiffin? Or do you have sympathy for both parties? I have zero sympathy for DeSanto. I mean, not an ounce, not one shred. I have a lot of sympathy for Lane Kiffin, who is now living in a world that has never existed prior to three years ago. And you, you could say it's been moving that way for a time, but Aside from the language, because I read the the entire uh, transcript of of the recording, aside from the language and calling him the p word and all that, I think I agree with every word that Lane Kiffin said. I mean, everyone. He said, "Hey, man, you don't get to not show up for a job and say sorry, don't want to meet with my boss for two weeks and then say, okay, now I'm ready and expect to have the job when you come back. That is not how life works." And then you think you can turn around and sue him for $40 million? The judge should look at this kid and say, we're tossing this case and you're paying for old Mrs. Legal Phase. And that'll teach you. And I actually think this is healthy. We've trained kids to think you can act this way. And this train needs to crash. I've got a tiny bit of sympathy for DeSanto just because he, I, 
best of my research, I could not find the father figure, and I'm sure he has a father. He wouldn't be on this earth if he didn't. But but I saw a lot of references to the mom, and and so no father figure. He, he he's an honor roll student, for best that I could discover at Ole Miss. He's actually a good student, and he's a believer. He participated in his church choir and all that. And so I see him as a victim of a system and not, and again, I don't, I'm talking about a tiny bit of sympathy for him based on circumstances. I don't think he's handling this right. And I certainly don't respect secretly tape recording the coach. But all the messaging that these young kids are getting in grade school, in other places, all the messaging is, hey, uh, you're a victim. People are taking advantage of you. They don't respect you the way that they do this white person or this woman or whatever. And so he's just responding to the message that's being shoved down his throat. And so I have far more sympathy for Lane Kiffin, but I have some for these kids that are, to me, from social media to academia to corporate media, everybody is telling them, hey, you're a victim, you're being exploited. And so I'm not shocked when he acts like he's a victim and he's being exploited. Okay, fair. So if you're talking really big picture and we're saying that this guy is a product of his circumstances and, has not, and, and doesn't know any better, then do we have some sympathy for his upbringing, potentially fatherless, you know, trying his best? Then sure, I have sympathy for the whole, the, the entirety of what has led up to this. Yes, I do. I do not have sympathy for what's going to happen in the outcome of this. I don't have sympathy that, that you know, the ramifications of your actions still exist, whether you are having a, I, I don't, look, I, I actually think Lane Kevin's right. I don't think he's having a mental breakdown. I've torn my Achilles. My grandfather died right before that. I've been in virtually this exact same circumstance as this dude. And guess what? I also was depressed. And I still pick up the phone when Bill Belichick called me. And I went into his office when he said, hey, I want to cut you, right? <laughs> you still show up to work when it's time to show up to work. That's just how it goes. And so, yes, I, the circumstances that I was given in my life were much different. I had two parents who showed me how things were done properly. And I, and I grew up in the church, right? I had good friends. I had an unbelievable community around me. I do have circumstance. Uh, I, I do have some sympathy for that in the circumstances. But I'm just telling you, uh, th this is healthy. It's a good thing. I actually think you know these stories. They're going to say this is so unfair to Lane Kiffin, and it is. And to some degree, it's unfair to the kid. But I actually like that it's happening. What we need is a judge and/or jury to have some maturity and say this is crazy. Get out of here and don't try this again. I'm not sure that's what a judge and a jury is going to do. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I don't have any confidence in judges and juries uh, at this point. I, I think that when you're on a college campus and you're 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, and everything you've been told is about equality, equal, everybody's equal. For this kid to interpret the world as, hey, look, uh, I knew a girl on the volleyball team 
And when she had a mental health issue, this is how her coach dealt with it. When she told the coach, my grandmother died or my auntie died, this is how the coach handled it. How come Lane Kiffin and the football staff aren't handling it that way with me? This is a byproduct of this whole, there's no difference in the genders. There's no, this guy has bought it hook, line, and sinker, that he's just like any of the girls on that campus. He's bought it and swallowed it, and and that again is where I feel some sympathy. Do you think, let's don't talk about what's right or wrong, let's talk about what we think is going to happen. How's Ole Miss going to handle Lane Kiffin here? and, And then in conjunction, how's corporate media going to handle what just got exposed about Ole Miss football, because that will dictate to some degree how Lane Kiffin has dealt with at Ole Miss. Well, can I back up for a second and tell you that I don't think he has bought that? I don't think any man playing football has bought any of that, that they're equal with the women. I don't think they bought it. Every guy that I knew playing, and some of them were sympathetic to the women, every guy that I knew playing, and this wasn't that long ago, all 127 of us knew we carried the entire athletic department and we were not equal to the female tennis team. Every last one of us knew it. And that's why we were treated differently. We flew private and they flew commercial or they bust, right? And we were treated like there was an urgency to what we were doing because we had to fund all 502 student athletes and the coaches' salaries and the trainers and the entire athletic department. And when we showed up on Saturday, 75,000 people showed up to watch us and the tennis players had their parents there sometimes. So there was a difference and we all knew it. This kid doesn't buy it, he's playing victim. This is why I don't have sympathy. I don't have sympathy for anybody that plays the victim in any scenario, no matter your upbringing. You can always say, I could have handled this differently. So. I wanted to disagree with that. How is hand, how is Ole Miss going to handle it? For $40 million, I think it's time to grow a backbone. I actually do think that, you know, will you really settle this? Because do you actually want to be the school who uh, gives in and sets the precedent that this is okay? We can now, we'll, everybody's going to start settling for somebody who has a mental breakdown because this isn't testable. Somebody just has to say their feelings got hurt and they need a month off of work. Sorry, that's worth $40 million. So I, I think Ole Miss will fight this. I think Lane Kiffin will certainly fight this. Um, Lane Kiffin may, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin o- over his language may have to have something. Cause again, it was, it was his delivery, not his message. I loved his message. I thought his delivery, you know, it would have done it differently if it wasn't being recorded. So I actually think they're going to grow a backbone on this because I can't remember a situation where somebody's ever been sued over saying I, I needed a mental health day and you didn't give it to me. Well, Lane Kiffin said you're off the team. And and I, I've I've been through this again. This when when everything goes super corporate and HR departments get involved, th- that's when you can get into trouble. And, and I, I had an employee years ago uh, <laughs> who I got in trouble for, for when they crossed the line, I, I was just like, okay, we're, we're gonna move on from this. And, and I got out ahead of HR, and I got in trouble for that. 
oh, you can't say that. And, you know, you're the, don't, you, know, you gotta let HR handle it, blah, blah. And so I, I could see a scenario where Wayne, where Lane Kiffin gets suspended here for a game or, or, or something, that, that he gets made an example. That, that you're right, they gotta fight the $40 million, but I, I, I could see Lane Kiffin, I could see Ole Miss taking some action, some CYA action against Lane Kiffin. That's a hard put. Again, the kid didn't show up for work. You're on scholarship to show up for work. And, and now we're beyond the They're scholarship. They're pretending like he's a student athlete and this isn't work. They're off in that make-believe world. I don't where, buy that. You know, either. he's a student athlete. I don't think so. I think we're well past that. And now that schools are getting put through the ringer because of all this NIL and transfer portal stuff, I think they're done with that finally. They don't have to play that game anymore. Forever, it was the circular reasoning of, well, they're amateurs because they don't get paid, and they don't get paid because they're amateurs. I mean, they just said that for 100 years and everybody bought it. But the reality is now they're so obviously employees that this, this scholarship doesn't mean anything. And, and this is part of why Lane Kiffin had to push this dude out because there are three and four and five star kids deciding to transfer now in week two, and you're always recruiting. It's like I, I see uh, Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach at Missouri. He's on a, a, a helicopter. Coach Pinkle used to always do this too, flying in on Friday nights before a game to high school football games to go recruit. Like th this is 24 seven. This is even during your own season. When you got to go win games to keep your job, you're still recruiting. So Lane Kiffin needs that spot. You only get 85 scholarships. He needed that kid out. And so uh, particularly, I mean, look again, product of his circumstances. Sure. But this kid sure seems to me like he's a piece of crap. I mean, reading the whole thing again, you know, this, this was some of the problem I had with uh, Steven Crowder's deal with the Daily Wire. When you start recording people behind their back, not telling them about it and setting them up for a conversation, your character is at a zero. So I just, uh, Ole Miss, why, why would you suspend a guy for being, you don't think that Lane Kiffin said the P word? Have you ever been to a practice, right? It's like, what exactly did he do aside from saying, because really what he was saying at the end of the day is you didn't show up for two weeks when I said, hey, man, I want to talk to you as your boss. So you're fired. And I'm good with that. Oh, I'm very good with it. Have no problem with anything Lane Kiffin said there. Wish that I was his boss. I, I, I would have been right in that meeting with him, uh, yes. helping the kid pack his bags. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm a different animal. <laughs> I, 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 we're going to see more of this. More, I, I think we're going, and 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 I feel bad for the kids and the coaches. If if I'm a coach, and and I've already gone through what Lane Kiffin's going through and how it will change your personality. Because go back to my ESPN deal, and there was a a tape recording of me leaked to Deadspin. And that will make you put walls up. And, and you know, me and Shamika joke about it, about how uh, stiff and corporate I am and how just paranoid and afraid. When people are passing around tapes of conversation you've had with employees and things like that, it'll make you put some walls up. And, and that that's... If I'm a coach, I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to engage with a lot of the kids on my team, 
And I certainly, and the, I start profiling the kids on my team. Oh, sure. this guy doesn't have a dad. I got to be very, very careful with him because he's never really had different man-on-man conversations with someone that's the true authority figure. And so what DeSanto Rollins is doing and what, where we're all headed with this transfer portal and all this other stuff is that if I'm a coach, there was already a fear of taking on guys from questionable backgrounds. That fear is even heightened even more now. And, and the reason pe- people have never fully understood why I'm so passionate about this issue is my parents were divorced. Now, my dad was in my life and my, my senior high school, me and my dad lived together. But my dad was always a constant in my life, even though my parents were divorced. But, but I'm t- as coaches start evaluating the profile of their preferred players, Jason Whitlock at 17, 18 years old, I didn't fit the profile. And so in this modern world that we live in now, 17, 18-year-old Jason Whitlock doesn't get the Ball State scholarship offer. And, and that's the world that they're building. All these people that say they really care about the disadvantaged and at-risk kids, they're building a culture and a society and normalizing things that make it harder for the kids like me that don't fit the profile, don't come from the Huxtable Cosby Show uh, family, are less likely to be recruited. That is an excellent. I mean, be, look, the, the amount of guys that I played with that I, because it, football did me a lot of favors. The amount of guys that I would, that I was exposed to that became good friends of mine that I would have never met that expanded my worldview that gave me an understanding of somebody that wasn't from the middle class, upper middle class suburbs. I, I probably had 10 black dudes at my school. Right. And then I joined a room of mostly black dudes. Then I got to the NFL and it was all black dudes. Right. And it's like you you create these these opportunities that are created for the growth of general human beings. I mean, this is why when you go into the workforce, they're looking for athletes. And it's not just because athletes are hard workers and driven by achievement. It's because they know how to work collectively with people who have shared values and don't it's transcended skin color. So what you're going to do beyond what you just, you're talking about is you're going to actually, you're going to deprive the young men who could be learning some of these things and turn into the Jason Whitlock of the world, but also the kids like me that were otherwise pretty sheltered. And I expanded my worldview and became a much better person because I was exposed to that. I, I, I agree with 100% of that. One question for you. Cause I, you know, you like to say you're, uh, you don't like Roger Goodell and put you as commissioner and you'll fix the NFL. Fix this for me. Here's the scenario. You're Lane Kiffin or, or the AD. These lawsuits are coming. What does Jason Whitlock do to solve this problem? As the AD or Lane Kiffin or as the alleged head of the NCAA and all college sports? Well, Lane Kiffin's uh, probably at the mercy of whatever happens to him at this point. So probably not Lane, but I would say AD or NCAA commissioner. And in this case, it's probably more AD. I think the NCAA has basically said, keep us out of it. Well, if I'm the AD, I just go in and say, uh, make sure we're recruiting guys that fit the profile. 
and let's start excluding guys that don't fit the profile even more. They're already having these conversations. I'm just doubling down on that. We're not taking high-risk kids. And, and, and I'm, because we're fearless here and because we talk about all issues, when I look at this kid, and I can't, I haven't been able to figure it out, so I, I don't know, but he looks biracial to me. And, and he, he looks, and so maybe he's not biracial. Maybe he's not, but he looks like a kid, and based off I can see, that went to, he was athletic, black kid that went to some kind of predominantly white high school because I saw he was homecoming king with a white homecoming queen at whatever his high school was. And, and I've just, I've seen guys, to me, he comes across like a guy with some identity issues, maybe related to his father, maybe related to being such a, he seems like he's a pretty good student, uh, and so maybe he didn't really fit in with the black guys for whatever reason, from his high school background to, to whatever. I, I'm just doubling down on like, if there's any identity issues related to skin color, related to sexuality, avoid it. It, it could blow up in our face, and that's why I go back to the at-risk kids that need that college football experience, need that male leadership and discipleship, we're making it less likely that they're gonna get that opportunity because people are going to be too paranoid for justifiable reasons. So you don't think it's salvageable to go back to the world that we were in? Well, from an NCAA perspective and a college football perspective, you'd have to go back, you'd have to get rid of name, image, and likeness, you'd have to get rid of the transfer portal, you'd have to come up with a way to compensate athletes that made sense and tied it to good behavior, class attendance, GPA, practice attendance, getting along with your coaches. I, I, I would, the financial rewards would come as you met, oh, okay, you're a starter on the team, you've, you've made it to 90% of your classes, your GPA is this, your position coach and his evaluation of you in terms of how coachable you are, blah, blah, blah. You meet all these standards, and the money starts going up that we funnel to you. But right now the money's just funneled to you because some brand or some gambler or some company wants to be attached to your name. That's a recipe for disaster. So, yep. you know, there, there are solutions, and I'm telling you, I was writing about them 20 years ago, but, you know, it's, you've got to put a lot of toothpaste back in the bottle at this point. And, and the rest of corporate media and social media has so much control over what people think is the right or wrong thing to do. I don't know if you can get to real solutions in the current setup. TJ, I got to let you go. Uh, I got to move on to the Korean Cosell, but great job as always. Uh, appreciate the conversation. Uh, again, you can email me and us, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. You can start pounding that like button. If you're listening over Apple, you can give us the five-star review. Tell us how great this show is. Tell us what you think about Brett Favre and Warren Sapp 
and some of the new elements to the show. Uh, Steve Kim and Korean Cosell, next. Sage Steele, previously on Fearless. Was there any black support for you from other black on-air personalities for you within ESPN? When you say support, <laughs> I guess it's all relative. I mean, there, you... were per- there were people who did not publicly bash who were black versus others who certainly did and still do. So I don't know if that means support just because they didn't bash me. I don't know. I'd like to think so. In this era that they consider that support, I, I can't remember any black on-air people at ESPN running out to do Oh, to publicly support me? Yeah. Zero. What about privately? Just no text, email, uh, hey, if you need someone to talk to or keep your head up. No. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to roll out to Los Angeles, bring in the Korean Cosell. Steve, we've been talking about Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and DeSanto Rollins. I, I do want to add this piece of context because we've been doing research in real time. John Hadley uh, doing a, a great job here. DeSanto Rollins' dad passed away. And, and so I, I do want to, not sure when, but his dad passed away. Again, the mom's last name, I believe, is Hot. Well, I know it is. It's Connie Hollins. The dad's last name was Robert Rollins. Not sure when he passed away. Uh, so I, I just want to add that into the record. Uh, that, that we have that information and his dad passed away. Steve, your thoughts on what's happening here at Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and this lawsuit, how do you see this playing out? You know, there's so many ways to go with this. The, the reality is that for years, scholarships have been taken. And Jason, you went through the process as a Division I scholarship athlete at Ball State. These are not four or five-year contracts. They are one-year renewables. And I, I think I've referenced that movie before with Robbie Benson, where he was a star high school basketball player. The coach didn't really like him and tried to take away his scholarship, and it didn't work because it ended up he was a pint-sized uh, Pistol Pete Maravich. But th- that's the reality of college sports. It is a business. But now when you open up the trans portal, where there's almost like this revolving door, you know, I don't want to be harsh about it, and, and I do want to be sympathetic with this young man if he has a legitimate case of mental illness. What did you think was going to happen when you basically create a free agency or a waiver system where players come and go? Now both sides get very callous to this whole process. There's no loyalty to the school, and there's no loyalty or empathy to the plight of individuals who may not be living up to their NFL expectations as they came in. So this is the system that we live in, and... You know, but the whole mental health thing is, look, I want to know 
did he really get an evaluation that says, hey, this young man has issues, let's sit him out for the good of him? Because I see this in boxing all the time, Jason, where fighters about a month or so will say, well, I got mental health, uh, I can't fight. And, and there's no proof that they ever went to a mental health clinic, that they ever got treatment. And then several months later, it's like, okay, we're back. Give me another fight. And, and, it, and it, to me, it brings skepticism on the whole process. So his allegation, which I think there's some merit to, is that, like, if I was a female athlete, mm. y'all would react differently and y'all would handle it differently. And and there's merit to that. I, if I'm him, I don't hand, I don't hold myself to the same standard as a female athlete. I'm not expecting the game of football uh, to treat me the same as as a female athlete. But we are in this era where all the professional athletes. Every, let's take the stigma off of mental health. Let's all talk about our mental health issues. And if someone raises their hand and says, if Simone Biles says, hey, you know what, I don't want to complete, compete in the Olympics, I'm having a mental health issue, mm. everybody just has to go with it. And everybody's celebrated. And so we're seeing this across, not just in boxing, across all sports, men and women, everybody leaning in, I'm having a mental health issue. He's playing that card. He, my grandmother passed. You know, you've switched my position. It, it, it's It's... This has been normalized again. Uh, you know, I live in an era where you know uh, your dog could die, everybody in your family could all die, but you're still expected to show up for work the next day, and that's just not the mentality of of modern young people. Well, look, uh, what this young man should have done then was become transgender and then gay, a and then he would have had a statue right next to him of the award of Chucky Mullins. Long live that great football soul. That passed away. I mean, I mean, then he'd be like, oh, my God, not only are you on scholarship, we're going to name an athletic building after you, and you're going to, like, be our team captain for the next year. But it, it, I've asked this in boxing, Jason, um, and I know a lot of this has to do with collective bargaining. In other sports, NBA, NFL, MLB, if you, if you violate the drug policy and you are an addict, there's things in place where it's like then you get more random tests, then you get suspended, then you get suspended for even longer, then a banishment, right? There's a process. I remember one of the players was Roy Tarpley in the late 80s who ruined a blossoming career because he couldn't get off the snow candy. Fine. But in, in a lot of other sports, like Simon Biles can just say, I have mental health. And we all have to say, yes, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then she can literally say two weeks later, well, I have no more mental health. I'm good. And, and, I've, and I've asked this on our show, the three knockdown rule. I said, look, if we are truly going to be empathetic and treat mental health and mental illness, which I'm all for, instead of just being a get out of jail free card, I have a question. Why isn't it that any fighter that says, well, I have mental health issues that I must deal with, right? Just like if they fall and fail a drug test, they're basically banished. There's a suspension. There is a protocol. So my view is this, if an athlete says that I have a mental health issue, they must A, go to a facility, a real rehab facility like they would a Betty Ford clinic, and then be willing to sit out six to 12 months and then go through evaluations afterwards. Because again, we're taking this seriously. Right, Jason? Uh, you know? You, you, they do need to establish some protocols and a system in place. 
that will, you're a thousand percent right. And maybe it's not, can't perform again for six months. Maybe it's a month. Oh, okay. You, you, you know, it's some length of time to, that we're taking this seriously and that it just can't be, hey, it's the off season. Lane Kiffin wants to talk to me. I don't want to talk to him. It's, I agree. There, there needs to be some system, some protocol. Do you think, if you had to predict, what do you think Ole Miss is going to do here with Lane Kiffin? Do they take some action against him? No, but here's what I think the public pressure is going to be. And what I think would be fair, I would tell that young man, look, you can fulfill your scholarship. You're not on the team. Get your education. Football may not be for you, but we want to give you a head start in life. Get your education. Get your degree. But we don't want this to be an uncomfortable situation. We want you to make sure that when you think of Ole Miss, if it's not for football, but at least that institution gave you a chance to be in a better place than you were four or five years ago. And by the way, I want to tell our fine audience at Fearless, uh, I've tried to back out due to mental health issues a couple of times, and Whitlock just tells me, get your ass back in there, and I do it. This is tough love. <laughs> and, it's, and it's made me better, Jason, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, l- l- you know, there's actually some truth there, because uh, Steve Kim said, uh, the NBA actually depresses me and makes me mentally ill, and yeah. I said, I don't care. Okay. Is that check clearing? And I said, yeah. And I said, you know what? Your mental frame is just fine, you crouching tiger. You get your ass out there and you watch that ABC primetime game. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to renegotiate this deal next time. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Stefan Diggs. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, female reporter made some comments. Uh, when she thought she wasn't Mike, she she didn't know she was being secretly recorded. Uh, and and to me, the comments were innocuous that they weren't a big deal. Uh, of course, Stefan Diggs, being very strategic here, uh, has has put out some tweets uh, in response. And remember, this woman's already apologized. But Stefan Diggs yesterday put out a tweet. The audio shared was very hurtful and was insulting to my character and to how I was raised. I've always treated people how I want to be treated. I greet everyone with smiles and respect, from the people in our cafe to the people that keep our building clean and in order. The media, our fans, may confuse my competitors that they witness on the field as who I am as a person, but off the field, I'd never treat anyone how she described and have never said anything remotely close to that to her. I don't know why it was said, but this is an example of why people don't want to deal with the media. It's hard to fight mm. the preconceived notions people have about you, regardless of ever having a personal experience with them. That was Stefan Diggs. Uh, his brother chimes in. Tavon Diggs, the cornerback uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And what does he say? Tuh? They turn on you so quick. Got to get bro somewhere safe. So <laughs> this is he- all part of a campaign to get Stefan out of Buffalo. Oh, now he's not safe. 
Oh, I'm now he's call not safe. Oh. What are you gonna call me out about? You are. I'm gonna call you IHOP because you are flip flopping here now, Stefan. Oh, now you're back off Stefan Diggs, the Diggs route. Oh, I see. Oh boy, how quickly you turned. I was never on Team Diggs. I just pointed oh, out the truth about Josh Allen. I just pointed you know, out the truth about Steve. You got to remember where this started. This started with me criticizing Stefan Diggs. And someone who should know called and said, hey, Jay, you wrong about Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. This is what's going on. Then, and now we have some new information. Stephon Diggs wants out of Buffalo, and he's, going to, he's running over a bus over this woman in his attempt to justify his escape. He's not safe in Buffalo because some white woman said something off camera that he didn't like that was very hurtful. Well, okay, first of all, throughout that tweet, that passage, there needed to be where there's parentheses except Josh Allen. I like to treat everyone with respect, except Josh Allen. My, my interactions have always been friendly and professional, except Josh Allen. In fact, I really get along with everyone, except Josh Allen, okay? That's like Mad Libs, remember those games? Anyway. I, I would have respected old Diggs route if he would have said, this ho. Now you're like, okay, now you're keeping it real. Now you are keeping it real, and I can at least respect that. This whole passive-aggressive thing, um, it just gets at me. And then somewhere safe, I, I will bet any football player, black, white, or whatever, in Buffalo is probably worshipped in that city. Don't 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 make it sound like he's on the south side of Chicago with a hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry in a luxury car. Come on, let's be honest about it. There's probably no place safer for a black athlete that pay, plays for the Buffalo Bills than that guy, and along with a lot of his other teammates. I this whole thing, and as this is what happens though in situations like this. I have yet to see someone fail a drug test, and Victor Conte taught me, this, taught me this long ago, that the first thing you become when you fail a drug test, Jason, is a liar. There's never been a guy that fails a steroid test, and the first thing he says, yeah, 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 I was more juiced up than Bishop and Q. I had decaduridin and Duroblin all over my system. Yeah, I did it. Did you see those home runs I hit? No. It's always, God, I don't, I don't know how that got in my system. There must have been inadvertent. I, I, we're going we're gonna to investigate this. They all become liars. Okay, I would love to know what the Minnesota press corps and Kirk Cousins in the deepest recesses of their mind think about this guy. Good point. Uh, I, I, I just can't believe he's playing the vi Those comments were very hurtful. Uh, do, do you think he crawled up, balled up somewhere crying because s some woman thinking she was off the record says that, you know, she can't control Stefan Diggs. I, it, it's all a ploy. It's all a gimmick. It's so hostile for me in Buffalo. I've got to get someplace safe like Dallas and the men's club in Dallas where my brother hangs out. <laughs> it, it all, he wants out of Buffalo. <laughs> well, he wants I, I, look, if they don't win this year, and by win, I mean actually get to the Super Bowl, that sound that you hear, that's the window slamming on Buffalo. I really believe that.
And what I saw in week one, and again, I know that's the Jets defense that stifles Josh Allen. And look, Josh is on the spot, though. I'm going to be fair about this. Josh Allen has to be better. But Stephon Diggs right now, it's been, and look, I know it's not necessarily his fault because that lady brought up his name. Look, you got your 0-1. You don't want to get to 0-2. Let's concentrate on that there, fellas. All right. Uh, I want to move to a team that's 2-0 and that played last night. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. They beat the Minnesota Vikings by six points, right on the number. I believe it was 34-28. Kirk Cousins throws four touchdown passes. The Vikings fumbled the ball all over the field. They look like a reenactment of Jeff Sims throwing the Colorado game. I mean, fumbling during the Colorado game. Uh, <laughs> the, the Vikings fumbled that ball all over the field. I don't think Philly was impressive last night. And I think Philly and Jalen Hurts off to a slow start. A.J. Brown goes after Jalen Hurts, and Nick Serrani had to get in the middle of it and, and, and break some of that up. Uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles not off to the greatest start. You more concerned about the Eagles or more concerned about Jalen Hurts? Uh, I'm not really concerned about either. I, I can kind of see Brown's anger because if you're a wide receiver, look, that's just the way they are wired. They can be winning 58 nothing. They want touches. They want scores. They want their stats. When I look at what they did yesterday, that dominance in the front line is so, so apparent that wide receivers, certain games are going to be reduced to just perimeter blockers. Because, look, I think Hurts is an excellent quarterback. He's a high-character guy. But, Jason, can we be honest about it? They don't ask him to do all that much. I mean, every time he hands off, by the time they line up, it is second and three. And, and they just push the chains. It really does kind of look like a college-style offense. And that's not a pejorative because a lot of people are running it. But that offensive line is the nucleus to what they do. I'm not that concerned about it, at least not offensively. Because the, with the way they run the ball, they're going to create looks on the back end. Trust me, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, they're going to get their numbers. Defensively, with some of the losses they took, with like Chauncey Gardner in the secondary, and I think Maddox got injured. He might be out for the year. That's where I worry. That's where my concern is defensively. But uh, I wouldn't worry about Jalen Hurts. Uh, look, do I think the league will catch up to him to a certain degree? Yes, because schematically, I've been told by people that have studied this, you get about a season to a season and a half to be ahead of the curve. And at that point, the league catches up. But again, when you can block the way they do, that offense will always be functionally effective. I'm a bit concerned about Jalen Hurts. Uh, just, I mean, you're right, they're not asking him to do a whole lot. I think they ran the ball 48 times last yeah. night. And and their offensive line led by Jason Kelsey is amazing. But I don't know if they're going, you know, the the Viking without those four fumbles, Steve, yeah. if they just two two less fumbles. They yeah. lose that game. They, they, they lose that game and so I wasn't super impressed with uh the Eagles against the Patriots. I First 10 minutes, they jump on the Patriots. The last 50 minutes, I thought the Patriots outplayed them. Philly's a 2-0 with smoke and mirrors right now. Uh, they need to take these next 10 days before they play again 
and, and make some adjustments or, or, or something's not right with that team. Uh, two, in my view, huge games in the AFC this weekend that I'm really looking forward to. If I have a checklist of games that I'm looking forward to, I'm probably going to put Colorado, Colorado State, the college game on Saturday, number <laughs> one. Uh, because, and I've, I'm, there's an upset alert in oh. Boulder, Colorado. I just, oh. It's been issued. Oh. An upset alert has been issued. I've checked with the National Gambling Advisory Board. Oh upset God. alert. I'm, I'm all over Colorado. And I'm, I'm distracting us from talking about these NFL games, but I'm just gotta, I just want to be on the record here. I want the audience to know that I'm all over. 23 and a half points. Colorado State, are you kidding me? That's way too many. Jay Norville and, and this Colorado State team fired up. I, I see a potential. Uh, this is going to be a fourth quarter game, Steve. Uh, you know I'm, I, I'm right about this. I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, Sonny Lubick, Bradley Van Pelt, Clark Hagans ain't walking through that door. Okay, and you know what I hope Dion does, <laughs> old primetime? I hope for their. I hope the darn theme music this week as they come out with the whole thing, the pyrotechnics. I want to play a, son, a song by Corey Hart. I wear my sunglasses at night. Would that be unbelievable? See, now we are doing sports <laughs> and entertainment. But I, I think Norvell made a terrible critical error, Jason. Look at Colorado. They've had two emotional games. One of them was a rivalry game against Nebraska, and they're looking ahead to Oregon. This was setting up. I was with you as the classic trap sandwich game. Norvell made the cardinal sin of a coach. He motivated the other team. Coaches all the time say, let's be quiet. Let's sneak up on them. Don't. And this guy blurts that out? Oh, no. Jay. Upset alert. Oh issued for Boulder, Colorado. People, Category four. Don't evacuate, folks. Rams hurricane Stand coming through Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> you just want all Let the me, YouTube. I haven't even got to what, I, what I really YouTube want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, what I really want to talk about is Ravens and Bengals, mm. Chiefs and Jaguars. Yes. Uh, what's the most interesting game there? Uh, those are, to me, two very important week two. I, I, you couldn't get any better than these two games. But which one is most intriguing? I think the Jaguars, Chiefs, because they can make a statement that we are for real. And for the Chiefs, I know that it's a long season. But generally, and this used to be an axiom for 16-game season. I don't know if it changes for the extra game now. You don't ever want to go 0-2. Your chances of making the playoffs become greatly diminished. And it becomes a lot of pressure. Now, before I got on this segment, Jason, I think I may have read something that Travis Kelsey is going to play. To me, that is a direct, direct uh, influence to what happened last Thursday night when I was watching the game with you in Nashville where their receivers were almost repelling the ball. And if they were 1-0, in my view, now you play a game like, you know what, let's give Kelsey another week. But again, Andy Reid's a veteran. He doesn't want to go 0-2, but this game's in Jacksonville. Ooh, and I thought Jacksonville could have won that game in Arrowhead, a fired-up young squad. And, and, and I believe this, Trevor Lawrence has a much better, deeper, more dangerous set of receivers on the outsides than Mahomes. Oh, give me sunshine. There will be sunshine in Jacksonville. The Jags, Duval County, 2-0. Log it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know Chris Jones 
has signed a contract and will be a very disruptive force in the middle of that Chiefs defense as well as getting Travis Kelsey. He'll be hopping and puffing. Training camp matters. I like the Chiefs in that one. I'm telling you, training camp matters. I like the Chiefs in that game. But the more interesting game to me because – I honestly believe even at 0-2, the Chiefs will be perfectly fine. 1-1, obviously the Jaguars are fine. But the Bengals, that's a team that needs to avoid an 0-2 start. That's a team that needs Joe Burrow to play at a high level. And I think this game is very fascinating for the Ravens as well because Lamar Jackson did not play very well in my opinion in the win over the Houston Texans. The Texans are terrible. I think the Ravens-Bengal game is the one that's going to tell a story about one of these. The loser of this game, I don't see making the playoffs. The, the loser of this game, even the Ravens at 1-1 one one, or the Bengals at 0-2, the loser of this game doesn't make the playoffs. I find this game very intriguing and the play of each quarterback I think, very intriguing. Now, Jason, this game is in the jungle in Cincinnati. Am I correct? I believe so. That's a big factor. It was actually stunning to see Joe Burrow throw for less than 100 yards in a National Football League game. The Browns are a sleeper. That's a very talented roster. And they traditionally give the Bengals some trouble in Cleveland. I look for a bounce-back week. Joe Burrow hadn't suddenly forgotten how to operate an offense or throw the football. Uh, but again, training camp matters. And I know there was an injury here, but I, I don't know where this philosophy came that suddenly that these guys can take eight, nine months off, go through a training camp, never play any exhibition, and then suddenly hit that ground running. Burrow is another example of that. Uh, I still worry about his overall health and his calf, but you know what? I'm with you. There has to be a sense of urgency with Cincinnati because you go down 0-2, I'm just telling you, I don't care who you are. That's the worst position to be in in the early season of the National Football League. Put me down for the Bengals. You like the Bengals in that game. Uh, I can't believe both of those games are at noon. The two mm. best games, Dolphins-Patriots is the Sunday night football game. Mm, I like uh, that. The, the late ga- afternoon game window, Jets-Cowboys, I guess, is the premier game. Uh, Commanders, blah, doesn't, doesn't Early games Detroit, at noon. Right. And, and Jason, doesn't Detroit, Seattle, don't they clash? Yes. That, that's, that's at noon game. as well. Yeah. I have circled that game. My guy, Motor City, Dan the Man Campbell. They win this game. Detroit, I'll make a prediction right now. They go 2-0, and that early momentum, they're going to win that division. You know I'm high on Detroit. You know what? The Chiefs are favored by three and a half. That seems like a big number. Mm. That, 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 you know, two and a half I, I would get, but three and, or even two I would get, three and a half, that seems like a big number on the road to Jacksonville. But it speaks to uh, the Chiefs need to win. They don't want to go start out 0-2, even though I think they would still be fine. Bengals are minus three uh, against the Ravens. And the Lions, your Lions, ooh, Lions are minus four and a half. But I think Seattle's garbage. I, I think Geno Smith uh, got away with some things last year that he's not going to get away with. Uh, so, anyway, thank you, yeah. Steve. Thank uh, you. Steve, I just, yep, I'm checking right now. That upset alert just went to a four and a half in Boulder, Colorado. 
up. Come back on Monday, watch me gloat about what happens in Boulder, Colorado. All right, that's tomorrow. Uh, we'll see you next week. Freedom, looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. We are living, get back, we are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free We want freedom I just want, I want to be, I just want